0: Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I can do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Whenever we talk about the subject of miracles, hopefully it's something that we get excited about. And I like this quote that I that I found uh, talking about the importance of miracles for Christians. It says, without the miraculous, Christianity is false. As Paul argued, Christianity is all a lie without the resurrection of Jesus. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's argument beginning in verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised and our preaching is in vain, your faith also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are all of men most to be pitied. Let me read verse twenty. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Do you see the importance of miracles? And why we should be concerned about what the Bible says concerning miracles. How do we distinguish between miracles and providence? And how do we help other individuals to understand the purpose of miracles and providence and what that should mean for us in our lives? Uh, This is an amazing, encouraging study, and I hope you are encouraged. And I hope your faith is strengthened even more today as we study this topic. So we have a lot of ground to cover, so I want to begin with miracles And as we start thinking about miracles, I think it's always important that we define what a miracle is. And so that's something for you to to be aware of and to be able to do. How would you define a miracle? We know a lot of people say a lot of different things about miracles. Here's one definition which I think is good. It's an event in which God temporarily makes an exception to the natural order of things to show that he is working, that God is working. And adding unto this, this idea of a miracle, it's where natural laws can be suspended temporarily and for a particular purpose by the creator of nature, which is God. On this view, an exception to the laws of nature can be permitted only by the creator of nature, just as an exception to a legal ordinance can be permitted only by the authority that passed the law or some higher authority. And so as we start talking about miracles, understanding what a miracle is becomes extremely important because there's a lot of different views. Some people think everything is a miracle, and that certainly is not the case. But we need to understand that this is what I think a miracle is. This is how we can define it. And there are plenty of examples of miracles. Go back to the beginning. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Sometimes people may ask, hey, what's the greatest miracle of all? I think I would point people back to Genesis chapter 1. Where in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, uh, they were involved in the creation account. And all things were created. The heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the sea creatures, man. And when you think about this miracle that occurred in the beginning, this sets the, uh, the stage for every other miracle in the Bible. Think about it for a second. If Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 are true, and I believe they are, then is it hard for us to believe that in Joshua chapter 10, God could make the sun and the moon to stand still for Joshua when he battled? Not at all. Because he created the sun and the moon. And if you think about Balaam and the donkey that spoke to him in the book of Numbers, is that too hard for us to believe? No. Because it was God in Genesis chapter 1 that created all the animals in speech. And what about Jonah being in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights and being preserved? Is that too hard for us to believe? Not at all when you understand that it is God who is everlasting to everlasting according to Psalm chapter 90 verses 1 and 2. He is the uncaused cause behind all things. He created all things speaking everything into existence. And so as we start looking at the Bible, the Bible begins with the miracle of creation. It was God who set up all of the laws of nature. And establish all of these things to be. And so it's not hard for God to intercede or to break through these laws. And to perform miracles. In John chapter 1, I have that on the slide. It's a reminder of that Jesus was there. And Jesus, through him, all things were created. And so the Bible begins with the miracle of creation. Where God created all time, space, and matter. And so the Bible is a book filled with the miracles of Jesus. And I want to run through some miracles to show you these things and what we can learn about miracles in God. Turn over to the book of Exodus and I want you to consider what God did with Moses in Exodus chapter 4. This is when God was speaking to Moses and he had to push Moses to go to the people to to let them free or to release them or to lead them out of Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 4, I think this is interesting here, Moses had a question. He had a lot of objections, actually, about doing the work of God. Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has appeared to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, And Moses fled from it. I think I'd do the same thing, right? That's a miracle, right? God changing a staff into a serpent. Now, when you read down to verse number 9, there are three miracles that God does for Moses to help him to see. Listen, you can do these things in front of the people so that they may believe. And so there's something we can learn about miracles. Miracles were designed to help people to believe. What else is interesting in the book of Exodus are some other things that we can learn concerning miracles. Look at Exodus chapter 8. We find and we see the power of God through these miracles. The Egyptians would know that there's only one true living God, the God who created all things. In Exodus chapter 8, in verse number 18, when the plagues were coming against uh, Egypt, The Bible says that the magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. They could see there is something distinct here. This is the power of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. So we see another example of miracles demonstrating something. Well, they demonstrated the power that the true and living God has. And we also see a distinction here in Exodus chapter 9 and verse 14. We see it here in Exodus chapter 8. You turn over to Exodus chapter 9 and verse number 14. The Bible says for this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me on all the earth. And so these miracles that were being performed in the days of Egypt was to show a clear distinction of who God truly is. There was no one else like the true and living God. And one of the biggest miracles that we read about that's rehearsed quite a bit in the Old Testament is the story of the Red Sea. And I think this is a fascinating study as well. When you turn over to Exodus chapter 14, in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 21, the Bible says this, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back, by a strong east wind all night, so he used the wind that he created to perform this miracle. And even though the wind is being used, it is still a miracle. And turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them, on their right hand and on their left. That does not happen. That is not natural then the Egyptians took up the pursuit of all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. And at the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. Drop down to verse number 27. I think this is interesting. I'm reading from the New American Translation. It says, So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Remember, that's how we started in verse number 22 he stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal state you see that so now it went back to its normal state what it was what was happening at that time that was not normal that was god intervening and performing a miracle separating the waters and keeping the waters separated long enough for the israelites to go through and also for the egyptians to be destroyed and so we see a clear distinction of his power and the purpose of these miracles to help people to believe and to show that he is a true and living God. And just like with miracles, there was amazement and wonder. Look at Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 11. In Exodus 15 and verse number 11, the, the Israelites, Moses, and the Israelites are going to sing this song of praise and rejoicing because of what God has done. Verse number 11, the Bible says, who is like you among the gods, O Lord, who is like you majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. That's exactly what he did. He worked wonders, miracles to demonstrate that indeed he is the true and living God. And so we read about miracles all throughout the Bible. And when you start thinking about looking at some of those miracles, you can't help but obviously talk about and think about Jesus. We know that Jesus performed miracles. And listen to what John the Apostle said behind the purpose of these miracles that Jesus performed. In John chapter 20 and verse number 30 and 31, this was after his resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And John the Apostle, he said in verse number 30, "...therefore many other signs..." He's talking about miracles... Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. What do we learn here? Well, Jesus performed numerous miracles. I believe there's over 30, 35 or 38 miracles of Jesus recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But John also says that there were many other signs which he performed in the presence of the disciples. These were performed in front of people. That's what Peter would argue in Acts chapter 2. You know the miracles. You know the signs that he performed in your midst. But these have been written for what reason? These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Which means, brothers and sisters, we need to know these miracles. We need to share these miracles with people as we talk to them about who Jesus is. These miracles were a sign. They're described as miracles uh, uh, or wonder. That's the response to it or signs. And they're pointing back to Jesus with who he was and who he is and the message that he proclaimed. There was purpose behind these miracles that Jesus performed. And there was typically this kind of response of amazement or or wonder. You look over in... um, John chapter Four here, look over in John chapter four, and Jesus talks about this in John chapter four and verse number forty eight as he talked about his miracles and John four and verse number forty eight and there's a number of other examples that we could use but but Jesus here. Uh, Jesus said to him in verse number 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. He's talking about the miracles that he was performing and how they could be described as signs and wonders. And there was amazement behind the miracles. And hopefully there's still amazement for us when we read these miracles. In Mark chapter 1, remember when Jesus was casting out an unclean spirit uh, in the synagogue in Mark chapter 1. What Jesus is going to do here, he performs a miracle, and he casts out the demon. He tells them, and rebukes them in verse 25, tells tells them, be quiet and come out of him. And throwing him into convulsions, verse 26, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out to him. They were all amazed. That is the response. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Jesus performed miracles, and he had the power to cast out demons, to walk on water, to raise the dead. And these miracles pointed to this great power and authority that Jesus had. In Mark chapter 6, this is the account here in verse 47 through 49, where Jesus, where he is walking on water. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 47, When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. That does not happen. That is not normal. Other people are not going to be able to do that. Peter could do it only by the authority and power of Jesus, who allowed him to do that. But God here, uh, we find this power. And going against these laws of nature that have been established, he's walking on water. They supposed that it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. So as you start thinking more about miracles, the Bible begins with the the creation account, this miraculous account of what God did at the beginning. And we see miracles throughout the Old Testament. We see miracles with Jesus pointing to who he is and to his message and the response and the power. And Jesus would also give this power to the apostles. You look at Mark chapter 16. We talked about the apostles in our Bible class today. These were men appointed by God, sent out by God or by Christ Ambassadors of Christ and they were endued with power from on high. And we see again the purpose working behind these miracles. In verse number 19 of Mark 16, so then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed Again, speaking about the signs or the miracles, and notice the purpose behind these miracles, to confirm the word. This becomes very important. And this is what we see the apostles at the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, in verse number 42 and 43, we see what happened after about 3,000 souls were baptized into Christ. Number one, they continued steadfastly devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They continued to engage in worship to God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. But notice the apostles are performing miracles as well. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now they had received this power as well. And we find this throughout chapter 2 and chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 5. And then we see them beginning to impart this power to others, like in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, when those seven men, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, were chosen, in verse number 6, the apostles, they prayed, and then they laid their hands on them. And then what we see, beginning in verse number 8, is Stephen, one of the seven, beginning to perform miracles because the apostles imparted this power to Stephen and to others, he was performing great wonders and signs among the people. So we see miracles in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we see a purpose given uh, behind these miracles. Uh, all of this becomes important to understand as we start talking about miracles and and communicating with people concerning miracles. Now, one of the things that can be a little challenging sometimes, people think that miracles were constantly happening. Was that the case? No. In fact, wouldn't it kind of water things down if they were constantly happening all the time? Miracles were not always constant. And what's interesting is that we see this. Eventually, they they accomplished what it was that God wanted them to do. God finished everything in six days of creation. And then he rested on the seventh day. He completed what he set out to do. The ten plagues in Egypt eventually stopped. There was a purpose behind those plagues. Uh, There was a purpose behind the Red Sea crossing. And eventually it was completed. Uh, The Red Sea eventually returned back to normal. That's what we saw. And I love the story. Wow. Now that is double speed, all right? I know I can get a little bit long-winded, but you got to help me out here, all right? So back it up, back it up, back it up. I'll wait for you. But these miracles in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament... You know, they eventually stopped. Um, The miracle of manna, it was a miracle that lasted for 40 years. But it served its purpose. And eventually it was completed. Look over in Joshua chapter 5. In Joshua chapter 5, the the story or the, the miracle of manna in Joshua chapter 5 in verse number 12. And look what the Bible says here with respect to this miracle. Joshua chapter 5 in verse number 12 the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land so that the sons of israel no longer had manna but they ate some of the yield of the land in canaan during that year so the miracles that we read about in the bible they were not always constant look over in first samuel chapter 3 first samuel chapter 3 i think this is interesting when we start thinking about revelation and you start thinking about visions in 1st Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1 1st Samuel 3 and verse number 1 the Bible says now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli and the word from the Lord listen to this was rare in those days the word from the Lord was rare he was not constantly talking to people or giving revelation it was rare in those days visions were infrequent First Kings chapter three with the story of Solomon and First Kings Chapter three. Notice what the Bible says here. First Kings chapter three, the Lord spoke to Solomon. And he spoke to him uh, in verse number beginning in verse number five. And Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Now, in your margin, or if you're taking notes, turn over to First Kings chapter uh, chapter. Uh, let's see here, chapter nine. In First Kings chapter nine, in verse number two, First Kings chapter nine, in verse number two, it says that the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, and I find that interesting. Uh, the temple of the Lord was built, the house of Solomon was built, and now, after all of this time, a second time. The Lord appeared to him. What's the point of all this? Well, the point is, uh, the visions, the dreams, the revelation, the the miracles, they were not always constant. Uh, There was a purpose behind them. In Mark chapter 1, and verse number 37, I think passages like this sometimes can be a little bit challenging. In Mark chapter 1, and verse number 37, Jesus, everyone is looking for him. And everyone wants to to be by him. Everyone wants to be healed, those who are sick. And I would want the same thing. What is interesting in Mark 1 and verse 37, they found him, his apostles, and they said, everyone is looking for you. He said to them, let us go somewhere else, to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for this is what I came for. What did he come for? It wasn't to heal every single person, every single disease. What about John chapter 5? Look at John chapter 5. Remember the man that he healed at the pool pool of Salaam in John chapter 5? Who else was there at that pool? Was he the only man there? John chapter 5? Well, the Bible says in verse number 3, And these lay a multitude of those who were sick. There was a multitude of individuals there who were sick. How many did Jesus heal? How many did he perform a miracle on? One. Now, that may sound a little bit mean. What about everybody else? What was the purpose behind these miracles? What was was the purpose of Christ here? He he came to save the sick and the lost. And, And so he didn't perform a miracle, and he didn't heal every single person. But these miracles were designed to point back to who he was And to help people to hear his message and to believe the message and to understand that indeed he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. As you talk about miracles, people often want to know, well, what about miracles today? There are plenty of miracles all throughout the Bible. But I would say I don't believe miracles are occurring today. Um, And I don't believe the Bible teaches that they are today. Now, there's a couple of thoughts I want to share with you. Could they? Absolutely. Because God can do whatever. He can do what is, he can do his will. Uh, he has that power. His power hasn't stopped. And when there were times and centuries when there were no miracles taking place, his power never stopped. There was a purpose behind those miracles. If I'm studying with someone, and maybe if you're studying with someone and this question comes up, I, I want them to consider a couple of thoughts. Number one, I want them to consider Jude in verse number three. Have you considered that the faith has been delivered once for all? So when you start thinking about why we might need miracles, well, why would we need these miracles? The faith, the message, the gospel has been delivered once for all. So we're not lacking anything with respect to belief and what we need to do to be saved and who God is. This revelation has been given, Ephesians chapter 3. Now it's our responsibility to read it and to also understand it. All right. I also want them to consider this. Um, Jesus is our final spokesman in these last days. He has spoken to us through who? Through his son, Jesus. We've been talking about that in Hebrews chapter one. So if he is this last spokesman, who else will there be? And so that's something I think that's important for other people to consider as well. And then what Jesus said or what John wrote about Jesus in John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. These have been written so that we might do what with them? Believe. If you want to believe Jesus is the Christ. If you want to believe that God is real. And Jesus lived and he performed these miracles. You do not have to wait for a miracle to occur today. What you need to do is look at the miracles that are already recorded. And you need to study those. And you need to believe those. These Are written so that you may believe. Do you agree with that? These are things that people need to consider. And I think we even need to consider. And so what is missing with respect for faith and God and Jesus? I don't think we're lacking anything. Now, what continues on today, I would say, are our false teachers What continues on today, our false teachers, I think about Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. He deceived many people through talk, testimony, and tricks. Talk, testimony, and tricks. That's how he got the rich and the poor, the people high in society and those who were low, to believe that he actually had some power. He had no power, though. He had no power. Now, someone brought this to my attention, and I do think it's a good point and it's not on the slide here but it's something i have been thinking about could we not say though that there will be one more miracle that will take place not by man but by god at the last day and i think there's some point i think there's a thought for us for us to can really consider that because what's going to happen at the last day all of the tombs are going to be opened And at the last day, we are all going to be raised from the dead. And I think that is something for us to think about, that that's God who's going to do that. And just how everything began with the miracle, I think it's interesting that at the end, all the tombs are going to be emptied. In Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20 and 21, God is going to transform our lowly bodies into a glorious body. Well, that sounds like something miraculous in nature. But it's going to be God who's going to do that at the last day. And so miracles have served a purpose. And I don't believe there's any man or woman around walking on earth that has the power to perform miracles. And I don't think we should be looking for these miracles either. We have these miracles that are given to us in the Word of God. So where do we go from here? Well, we've got to talk about providence. Why go through all of this with miracles? i got to move fast. Uh, we may have to do those slides again, all right, to move really fast. What do I, What do we do with this? What's the difference between a miracle and, and providence? Let's talk a little bit about uh, definitions here. Uh, providence could be defined in this way. God seeing a need or desired outcome and arranging things through natural means to meet that need, all without overriding man's free will. And I think that's a good work, working definition of of what providence is. God providing something, not overriding man's free will, and, and working through natural means. This word providence uh, comes from this uh, Latin word here. And and we see these words and this idea of provide, to foresee before, to see before. And I think that gives me some insight, hopefully you as well, when understanding this term Providence, And so the word providence, therefore, expresses forethought, which rests upon foresight, conveying the idea of provident care. Now, you see this English word providence in Acts 24 and verse number two. It's not talking about God, but rather a leader at this time in the days of, of Rome. And, and reading from the New American translation, you see this word providence in Acts 24 and verse number um, actually in verses uh, two and three. Um, This idea of providence since you have actually verse two since we have through you attained much peace and since by your providence reforms are being carried out for this nation. So here this word is being used um, talking about uh, this man, but we also see something similar. That I think is parallel to this idea of providence or providing or seeing before or some kind of planning. When you think about sin and this warning that we have in Romans chapter 13 and verse number 14. In Romans 13 and verse number 14, Paul said, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision. Make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust." Don't go planning to do something. Don't try to set things up where you're gonna go down this path and you're going to sin. That's the idea of provision. All right. And you see something similar with that in First Timothy chapter five and verse number eight. So when you think about the distinction with miracles and providence, God is seeing a need or desired outcome. And arranging things through natural means. A miracle, he is temporarily uh, disabling those natural laws or stopping them or overriding them. But providence, he is working through. He's working through these natural things and arranging things in a way uh, for the benefit of, of mankind or to carry out his will. And all without overriding our free will. And that's a very tough thing sometimes to think about. But there's some great examples in the Word of God where we see this providence in action. Let me just run through these real quickly here. Look over in Genesis chapter 24. This is when Abraham was near death in Genesis chapter 24. And if you have questions about this, I'll hang out in the foyer after services. And I have an outline if you guys want an outline. So Abraham is... He's trying to make provisions for his son. He, he wants his son, Isaac, to be ready. He doesn't want his son, Isaac, to marry just anyone. And so in Genesis chapter 24 and verse number 5, 4 and 5, he's talking to his servant. And what he's going to tell his servant is, I want you to go find um, a particular person for my son. So his servant goes, look at verse number 12. His servant leaves. And in verse number 12, it says, O oh Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show love and kindness." Excuse me, to my master Abraham. Stop right here for a second. I love this. The servant is praying. And when you think about providence, prayer and providence go hand in hand. God is going to act or move on our behalf. We see this with prayer. The man is praying. Verse 13. Behold, I am standing by the spring, and the daughters of the men are coming out to draw water. Now may it be that the girl to whom I say... Please let down your jar so that I may drink. And who answers, drink, and I will water your camels also. May she be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. Now, verse 15, I love this. Before he finished speaking. So while he's in the middle of prayer, what's God doing? He is making sure Rebecca is there. He's going to answer this prayer. He's already moving on behalf of Abraham and this servant here. Behold, before he was even finished, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with a jar on her shoulder. What do we see? God is providing. He's providing for Abraham And he's providing for this servant. And you can't help but see this connection with providence and with prayer. What about in Genesis chapter 50, the story of Joseph, which takes up, it feels like, almost half of the book of Genesis. At the tail end of it, or at the very end of the book, what does Joseph understand about his life, about the last decades that he experienced when he was sowed into slavery at the age of 17? Well, even when his brothers were still feeling guilty because of the sin that they had committed, he told them in verse 19, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. God was working throughout this whole ordeal with Joseph and his brothers. And while Joseph may not have fully understood that in the moment... As he reflected back and looked back at what God had done, he said, he said, oh, I see what the Lord had done. God had been working at this this whole time. And I believe that's something that we could call providence. He provided for Joseph and his family during that famine and got them to where they needed to be in Egypt where they're going to become a great nation. What about Hezekiah's prayer? Now, maybe some may disagree with this, but I think this is interesting here, too. Remember in Isaiah chapter 38. Let's turn there real quickly. Remember in, in Isaiah chapter 38, there are a couple of things that God says that are clear and cut dry. This is how it's going to be. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. He's sick. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. He's sick, and you're getting ready to die. What did Hezekiah do? He turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. By the way, that's what we should do as well, right? When we face sickness and and suffering. But watch what happened. He prayed, remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, have how I have walked before you in truth with a whole heart, and I've done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, The God of your father, David, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. Could we not say that was God working providentially? He is moving on behalf of this prayer request. He heals him. Now some may say, well, was his healing miraculous? I don't know. Maybe it was, but I think this is another example of providence, of Hezekiah going to God in prayer. And God heard his prayer, saw his tears. And by the way, he hears our prayers, and he sees our tears as well. But in this particular case, he healed Hezekiah. He provided for Hezekiah another 15 years of life. Don't worry, we're not going to read the entire book of Nehemiah, but I want you just to consider this entire book. I don't believe there's one miracle recorded in the book of Nehemiah. But you know what is recorded? God working. Nehemiah is praying for three months between chapter 1 and chapter 2. And God is going to move on his behalf. The king is going to give him what he needs. He's going to go back to Jerusalem. And I think this whole book shows us the providence of God. There's nothing miraculous taking place. Nehemiah and the people have to walk by faith. But God is still providing for them uh, the means and the strength to accomplish the work that needed to be done. And I believe that's an example of providence. What about Acts chapter 9? Look in the New Testament real quickly here. Paul, in Acts chapter 9, there were many people who were out to to kill Paul. In Acts chapter 9, and verse number 23, <clears throat> When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples, watch this, took him by night And led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. Anything miraculous about that? No. But is God providing for him? Yeah. Providential care. There's wisdom being used here, and Paul is being delivered. Paul is being delivered so that his work can continue. And there's another example in Acts chapter 23, where Paul is in prison, and his nephew, Paul had a nephew... His nephew hears about something, about some of his enemies and what they're going to do. And we're not going to read all of this for the sake of time. But in verse number 16, the son of Paul's sister. Paul had a sister, and he had a nephew. Heard of their ambush, and he came and entered the barracks and told Paul. And so what Paul is going to do, he said, look, you go down here tomorrow and, and you tell the commander. Get the commander here and let this young man tell him what is happening here. And because of that... Uh, Paul again would be delivered God would provide for Paul there's no miracle taking place here but I believe this is an example of providence of God working on behalf of Paul through his brother and also from those who were in control and so when you think about these examples here what's the point of all of this well hopefully all of us can distinguish what is a miracle how would we define a miracle And, and what is providence What are some examples of providence? And how can we understand that as we teach other people? Uh, We need to understand some other things too. And let's wrap up here. What is the so what of all of this information that we've looked at this morning? Number one, remember the word consider. We should always consider what we find in the word of God, particularly concerning the power of God, the awesome nature of God. There is nothing too hard for him. And however he has worked with miracles and working now with providence, nothing is too hard for the Lord. We need to consider that and help to build our faith. Number two, believe. Young people, some of you may be thinking about, do I need to be baptized? Well, if you understand that you are a sinner and you're outside of Christ and that sin separates us from God and that you're not right with the Lord. You need to consider your soul salvation. But you also have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not just for young people. There may be an adult here who is not put on Christ in baptism. Well, the miracles of Jesus are recorded so that we may believe that he is the Son of God. They are written for us, which means we need to read them and write them on our heart, hide them, know them, memorize them, trust in them. They're not just written for us to run through real quickly. Know them better than any other fiction book that's out there. All of them. These are written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that through Him we may have life through His name. Believe the miracles and understand When you think about miracles and providence, so many people are confused. They're waiting for a miracle. You're going to be waiting forever. Understand that God does not only work through miracles, but understand how He's worked. He's not absent just because there are no miracles taking place. Don't try to put me or anyone else in that box. God is still at work. He is alive. He's on the throne. He is still involved in the affairs of men. He hears our prayers And we got to understand this. And that should help us as we understand this in our walk with the Lord. You know what it should do? It It should really motivate us even more to work. I mean, come on. God is at work. And when you think about what God is doing, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, he got the Ethiopian eunuch at the right time reading Isaiah 53. And he got Philip over here. And he got them to connect together. Philip was ready for that work. And how amazing is this? Maybe you'll even get some goosebumps. That God is waiting for you and for me. He's waiting. He wants to use us for his work. Which means that we need to be ready for it. He is still working. People are still in need and searching for salvation. Why pray about open doors and have evangelism classes and workshops and all these different things if we don't think God is not going to move on our behalf? He promises to give the increase, so we need to work, and we need to walk by faith. And then finally, I'll just say this. Pray. Pray like never before. Hezekiah prayed just because he got a death sentence. He didn't lose his faith. The saints in Acts chapter 12 prayed fervently. The whole church came together. I love how we have come together to pray together as a church. There's something powerful with that. We pray together and we sing together. Let's do that as families, and hopefully we'll continue to do that as well. But pray like never before. God hears our prayers, and he sees our tears. That is reason for this study. This is more than just explaining it to someone else. We have to internalize this and believe it ourselves. And when we do, then our lives will be changed. Consider, believe, understand, work, and pray. The miracles of God are awesome. And His providence, he is still at work in our lives today. And I appreciate your attention. This is a longer sermon, but there's a lot of ground to cover. We could talk about this for a month. And if you have questions, let me know, because I'm going to do a Q&A, uh, Lord willing, here in a couple of months, and we can talk more about this if we need to. So I want to leave you with this. Do you believe the miracles of Jesus? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe he came in the flesh and died on the cross for the sin of the world? That he was a miracle worker, cast out demons, raised the dead, walked on water, healed the sick, You believe he died for your sins and mine. If we believe that, our lives should be changed. And if you believe he is the Son of God, you need to obey him today. You need to repent of your sins and be baptized. Be saved today. And maybe you're here today because you've been searching. Maybe the providence of God is at work even right now. You're here for a reason. Don't miss this opportunity to respond to the truth of Jesus Christ. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com, And other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do, and so can you. Take care, and God bless.